everybody, this is Pastor Michael. Hey, I want to invite you to Living Truth Christian Fellowship this Sunday to worship with us at our 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. services. Now, our 6.33 event with Scott Klusendorf, who was going to speak at both morning services, is canceled. Unfortunately, Scott is under the weather. I'm going to be preaching at the morning services from Psalm 139 and Ezekiel 16, and I will be dealing with the sanctity of life issue, and I'd love for you to be there, and I'd love to meet you. You can get information and driving directions about the morning services when you go to walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. We'll see you here. Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you download our free Living Truth app. Now here's part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah chapter 14 called A Prophecy About Lucifer. Whenever someone who is an oppressor and has done a lot of damage falls, this is where people struggled with Osama bin Laden. They said, should we rejoice? Should we not rejoice? And there were Bible verses on both sides. Yeah, when an oppressor perishes, there is some legitimate rejoicing. After all, he was killing a bunch of people. You live by the sword, you will die by the sword. But at the same time, some said, but are we taking it a little too far? And there's a legitimate argument to be made there as well. But the reign of terror, the unrestrained persecution, end of six, the unceasing strokes, this person never let up. This king was wicked. Once he dies, well, the earth rests. There's quiet. Sometimes when an evil uh, force is removed from one's life, you can finally rest. You can finally say, you know what, that, that time is over. And some of you can really resonate with that because you know, you've known that. You've known that kind of pain. Even the cypress trees ate. Rejoice over you. Here, Isaiah will personify creation. That means he gives creation personality. The cedars of Lebanon, those mighty trees that were very valued, saying, since you were laid low, no tree cutter comes up against us. Now, here's how it would work. In these centuries of the kings of Babylon and Assyria, Assyria and Babylon, they're always cutting down these precious trees, the cedars of Lebanon, to build their war machines and their fortresses. And the trees... Now, no, since he's dead, they're not going to cut us down anymore. Do you guys remember in the Lord of the Rings movies how the trees, you know, are alive? Oh, you know, the weird voices that come from the trees. I don't know if we're going to fight, you know. Well, anyway, why am I doing all the movies tonight? I don't know. That was even a bad voice of the tree, but, but you get the point. As creation is, takes on personality, the trees are rejoicing, man. This guy's not sending his people out to cut us down anymore. The trees are happy. The birds are singing, whatever you want to say. And later, the king himself, look at verse 19 of chapter 14. Here's what it says. You've been cast out of your tomb like a rejected branch. You cut down the trees, guess what? Now you're rotten. It's come right back on you. This is the reaction to the fall of the king. Even the trees sing at his demise. And now you get a picture of Hades. Well, all of a sudden now in the text, the camera pans down really low. And you get like a figurative 
picture of people who are in Hades, and in this case, Sheol, or the place of the wicked dead, and the camera pans, and it says this, King James says hell, uh, New American Standard says, Sheol from beneath ex- is excited over you to meet you when you come. It arouses for you the spirits of the dead. NIV says the departed. All the leaders, literally goats, because a goat often led a flock of sheep, so it's a kind of an idea of a leader here. All the leaders of the earth who are there in Sheol, it raises all the kings of the nations from their thrones. It's not that they're sitting on thrones, but they had been kings prior. Their personality has not left them, though they're in Sheol, because when you die, you don't die, you still live. But you live in one of two places when you die. And there are no other options. For our Catholic friends, I'm sorry, there's no purgatory. You're not going to swing, swing a sledgehammer for a million years. You know, when my grandfather died, I spent probably every single night of my youth trying to pray him out of purgatory. And when I failed to pray, I felt guilty. Like I had a role in getting him out of purgatory? That was his decision between him and the Lord, not me, to pray him out of a place. And then I found, as I studied the Bible, there is no purgatory. It's appointed unto man to die once, and after this comes the judgment. One of the big lies in our world today is reincarnation. So I'm talking to this guy in the gym. He's Hindu. I had been to Nepal and India, and I have a heart for people in these regions. And I, as a matter of fact, I talked to two pastors who both told me through a translator they were both demon-possessed at one point in their lives. Both of them had become pastors. They both attributed their demonic possession. Now, I'm talking to them like I talk to you right now. I was possessed. They said they had things happening to them at night. I wasn't possessed. I'm quoting them now. <laughs> they were possessed. They said they had uh, voices and, and things touching them and terror by night. And their only deliverance from this oppression and possession came through the power and deliverance of Jesus Christ. I talked to two of them. They were in the Hindu temple, burning incense to their gods and whatever. So I'm talking to this guy in the gym. I said, so what do you think happens when you die? What about your sin and all that? I'm trying to preach to him. He says, well, we come back as something else. I said, will you come back as a human? Oh, no, 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 no. That's only for the very best of us. And I said, well, then what do you think you're going to come back as? And he said, well, maybe a flower. And I'm thinking, you're going to come back as a flower? How do you get good karma going as a flower? You know, do you spread open a little bit more with your petals? I mean, what do you have to do to earn good karma so that you can take another step up? And he was hoping he'd come back as a flower. I mean, this was best case, people. I'm saying, boy, that's a lot of hope. That's reincarnation. The ultimate goal of reincarnation is to get off the wheel so you live over and over and over again until you get enough good karma so you can get off the wheel of reincarnation so that you can then blend into this oneness where you basically merge into this great one and you kind of disappear as an individual. What? That's the great hope? Oh, yes, we're going to live over and over and over again. Well, so if the best case is a flower, what if I'm a fruit fly? I mean, I can't imagine. I don't hear anybody going through this, this counseling who says, I just realized I was a fruit fly in a former life. Now, everybody was, you know, Marie Antoinette or somebody like that. Anyway, 
Sheol from beneath is excited over you to meet you when you come. It arouses the spirits of the dead. This appears to be the only time when there's parties going on in hell. Although I've seen the little placards at the pizza parlors that say, when I die, I'm going to hell and I'm going to have a keg with my friends and we'll just party it up. Well, you have to be aroused and spirits of the dead or departed here. These leaders, in verse 10, it says they will all respond to you and say, look at what they say. Even you have been made weak. The word weak means to be sick. And I'm literally quoting now flabby, ineffectual. They will say to this king who has fallen to Sheol or Hades or the place of judgment, you've become like us. The best that hell can do is rejoice over someone else's demise. The ultimate epitome of a life lived without God A life lived in pride is the best that you can do in Hades is rejoice that someone else has fallen into that place like you. You were once strong. You were once a king sitting on a throne, verse 9. But now you're weak. This has the idea of a shadowy departed spirit or specter. That's the idea here. Because we're going to see that the king's body is in a tomb and and actually it's been expelled from the tomb So this language here is where we get our word, the idea of the, uh, at least connects to the idea of a ghost. But ghosts are not departed spirits going around. You know how they have these programs where I guess there's these ghost hunters? I don't watch them, but I hear about them. And apparently they're trying to chase ghosts down. Look, there's no ghosts who are haunting places. And if there is a presence there, it's probably a demonic spirit or someone's imagination. Any ghosts, if you want to talk about it in that term, are in Hades waiting their final judgment. And the only parties they get is when somebody else comes down the chute and they get to go, (laughs) you're just like us, weak. Hades is no self-improvement party, brothers and sisters. You're made weak there. Ineffectual. Whatever you had on the earth was the best that you were going to have. And so for an unbeliever, you can honestly say to them, you might as well live it up because this is the best you're going to get. This is the best it's going to get. For me as a Christian, this is the worst it's going to get. And I have some pretty good days. Some pretty good days surfing, some pretty good days playing golf, some wonderful times with you folks. But this is the worst it's going to get for me. I'm going to bliss, baby. And I'm not as afraid to say baby in church when it's something like that. You see what I'm saying? So you've become like us. Oh, we had all of our pomp on the earth. People fed us grapes. They fanned us with those, you know, cool looking things. But look what the pride got him. Your pomp, that's pride, and the music of your harps You might want to write down Ezekiel 28 because in the description of Satan, which we won't get to tonight, he's identified there as being musical. And many who have studied the Bible believe that Satan had some sort of responsibility over worship in heaven. Some equate him to uh, an archangel, maybe on the level of a Michael, the archangel, but with responsibility over music. 
And that would be because of some of the language in Ezekiel 28. You can look at verses 12 through 17 there. And so your pomp and the music of your harps have been brought down to Sheol. Music was often associated with luxury in this time. Notice this. Maggots are spread out as your bed beneath you, and worms are your bedspread. How's that sound? You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Michael. Hey, I want to invite you to Living Truth Christian Fellowship this Sunday to worship with us at our 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. services. Now, our 6.33 event with Scott Klusendorf, who was going to speak at both morning services, is canceled. Unfortunately, Scott is under the weather. I'm going to be preaching at the morning services from Psalm 139 and Ezekiel 16, and I will be dealing with the sanctity of life issue, and I'd love for you to be there, and I'd love to meet you. You can get information and driving directions about the morning services when you go to walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. We'll see you here. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth. Maggots are spread out as your bed beneath you. You used to live in luxury, you know. Remember when Jesus told the story of the rich man and Lazarus, and he said the rich man lived in luxury every day. You know, he had all of his fine purple and linen and all this stuff, and there was a poor dude at his gate, Lazarus. He had sores all over him. The dogs came and licked his sores, and he just waited for some scraps from the rich man, right? And both men died. The angels carry uh, the poor man, Lazarus, to Abraham's bosom, which would be the the place of the righteous dead, Abraham representing the man of faith, reckoned righteousness, imputed righteousness from God because of faith. And on the other side, Lazarus is there, the poor man. And on the other side is the rich man. And he's in what? Hades and in torment. And he's able to lift up his eyes and see Abraham, Lazarus, and afar off. And remember Abraham's response to him? In your day, you had all your cool stuff and he had nothing. And now you're in torment and he's comforted. And besides that, there's a great chasm between the two of us. A great gulf is fixed and we can't pass over to you and you can't pass over to us. Well, Then send someone to my brother's house. I have five brothers lest they come into this place of torment. The words that ring from Hades, from the mouth of Jesus Christ in Luke 16 from a man who knows he can't get out, no doors, no windows, no exits, no second chances, no wheel of reincarnation, no flower, no nothing. Send someone to my brothers to warn them lest they come into this place of torment. That's the words. If you want words from hell, those are the words from hell. Send someone to warn them. They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. They have the Bible. Let them listen. No, Lord, but if someone comes back from the dead, they'll listen. They won't listen to Moses and the prophets. Neither will they listen if someone rises from the dead. What's the greatest example of that? Jesus rises and the bulk of the Jewish nation does not believe. The very men who hid behind closed doors, fearful, wouldn't even believe the women's report that he had risen. No, you're telling us wild tales. They're in the middle of the streets of Jerusalem proclaiming an empty tomb of Jesus Christ, saying he's alive. And what do they do? They pay off the guards to say that someone stole his body. They stole his body. 
They cover it up. They will not believe. And Jesus says, even if one rises from the dead, some will not believe. It's not about seeing a miracle, is what Jesus is saying. The Bible is enough. General revelation is enough. Special revelation is enough. Look around you. Look at your eyes. Look at your nose. You think you're the consequence of an explosion? You kidding me? That takes more faith than believing the God of the Bible. And so Sheol is kind of having a mini party here. They're saying, yeah, you lived it up, and now you get to sleep with the bed bugs. (laughs) And we have a picture of both the soul and the body because we are, you know, we are identified by our bodies, but we are not just our bodies. You with me? In other words, if, if tomorrow, God forbid, I lost my arm, would I still be Michael? Yeah. I'm not just my body, but my body is me. And so when the picture is painted of, of this ultimate judgment, you can't, you, you got to deal with both. And so the soul is dealt with and the body. How you have fallen, verse 12 how you have fallen from heaven, O star of the morning. If you have a New King James, it says Lucifer, literally means shining one. How you have fallen, O Lucifer, son of the dawn. You've been cut down to the earth, you who, who have weakened the nations. You can cross-reference Luke 10, 18, where Jesus describes Satan's fall. Some connect this to that. Also look at Revelation 12, verses 8 through 10. Here's why he fell. This ties to his pride. But you said in your heart, I will. Here's Satan's famous five I wills. I is the middle letter of sin. I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the recesses of the north. There's some uh, wordplay on Canaanite mythology here. In Canaanite mythology, much like you'd learn Greek mythology, they had a story, local tradition, where the Canaanite gods apparently assembled to the north of Jerusalem on a place called Mount Zaphon, lay north of, in the mythology of Palestine. And it was the seat of the gods. And the human king, apparently, at least one way to see this is he aspired kingship even over the gods in this mythology. And he said, I will ascend to the heights of the clouds. I will make myself, now here's where the true God is brought into it, I will make myself like who? The Most High God. You remember that the Antichrist will go into the temple and he will want to be worshipped as God. Nevertheless, you said I will, but God says I will do something. You will be thrust down to Sheol, to the recesses of the pit. You'll go from the apex of heaven as high as you can go to the deepest recesses of the pit. This is the farthest you can fall. Those who see you will gaze at you. This is a penetrating stare. They will ponder over you and they'll say this, is this the man who made the earth tremble? Who shook kingdoms? Who made the world like a wilderness and overthrew its cities? Who did not allow, notice this language, prisoners? Jesus said he came to set the prisoners or captives free. He did not allow the captives to go home. Is this the man? When someone's dead, they don't look terribly impressive. You know? Is this the dude that stirred up all the trouble? When Satan's chained for a thousand years, that's really going to be the thought. That's the one that did all this stuff? 
There's going to be a shame and a surprise. All the kings of the nations lie in glory. They got glorious burials, each in his own tomb. But you, this particular king of Babylon, you've been cast out of your tomb like a rejected branch, clothed with the slain who are pierced with a sword, who go down to the stones of the pit. Notice this, like a trampled corpse. Have you ever seen footage of corpses that are mistreated? It is one of the most ugly things. It's like, it's surreal. If you, if you see footage of Nazi Germany and you see all those dead bodies, it doesn't seem real. But that's what's happening to this particular leader. Notice, you will not be united with them in burial. You won't get the same treatment because you have ruined your country. I highlighted that. You have slain your people. May the offspring of evildoers not be mentioned forever. Prepare for his sons a place of slaughter. It often happens that when a king, you know, he gets deposed, his sons pay the price because of the iniquity of their fathers. They must not arise and take possession of the earth. They don't want that wickedness to continue and fill the face of the world with cities. And I will rise up 22 against them, declares the Lord of hosts. I will cut off from Babylon name and survivors, offspring and posterity, declares the Lord. He won't even be able to keep his name. And I will also make it a possession for the hedgehog and swamps of water, destruction here. I will sweep it with the broom of destruction, declares the Lord of hosts. And remember I've told you in previous studies that I've only seen one or two places. First I said one place where I can see the Lord made an oath and swore something by his own name. Then I said, no, there's another place. First I said it was only Genesis 22. Then I said, no, it's also Isaiah. I think it's 45 where he, he swears by himself that every knee will bow and tongue will confess. Here's another place. The Lord says, the Lord has sworn saying, surely just as I intended, so it has happened. Remember I told you the Lord will keep his promises. Just as I have planned, so it will stand to break Assyria in my land, and I will trample him on my mountains. Then his yoke will be removed from them, his burden, a great picture of salvation and deliverance, the exodus, everything here, removed from their shoulder, a great picture of what Jesus wants to do for you, remove your burden of sin and guilt. This is the plan, 26, devised against the whole earth, think of end times, and this is the hand that is stretched out against all the nations. For the Lord of hosts has planned, and who can frustrate it? And as for his stretched out hand, who can turn it back? You've been listening to A Prophecy About Lucifer, Part 3 on Walk in Truth, Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah chapter 14. And don't forget, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much for listening to Walk in Truth on this station. Please continue listening here because, well, this station is honoring the Lord by serving many more ministries in addition to ours. And you'll get to hear the latest broadcast from Pastor Michael. Walk in Truth is also available on your podcast app on Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many others. You can listen to all of Pastor Michael's previous teachings. We have Pastor Michael's teachings in the book of Colossians, Job, Ephesians, Psalms, Revelation, and many more. Listen to Walk in Truth whenever you want on your favorite podcast app. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, the bottom line is we know we have a spiritual adversary, and Isaiah 14 does give us some insights into that adversary. And we have a battle to wage. 
And, you know, when you really think about spiritual warfare, it is a battle of ideas. It's a battle of the mind, of thoughts, of, um, you could even say it's a battle of intellect. What do you believe? What's your worldview? Your worldview will determine how you live, who defines your worldview, etc. You can take a look at 2 Corinthians 10, right around verses 3 through 5 for a little bit more on that. I need to tell you that our 633 event that was scheduled for Sunday has been canceled. Scott's not able to make it under the weather. So we are going to adjust. We want to invite you out to our morning services at 8.30 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. at Living Truth in Corona. I'm going to be preaching on the sanctity of life from Psalm 139 and touching on Ezekiel 16, a very timely message from the Word of God. Come on out. You can find driving directions when you go to walkintruth.com. Excited to meet you on Sunday. God bless you. Join us on Monday for another teaching by Pastor Michael Lance in his Isaiah series called The Lord is Salvation. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.